0: Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host, Chris Caraggio.
1: Hey, folks, welcome to another edition of the ACHE Healthcare Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Caraggio, and uh, the episode today deals with building a strong foundation, and we're going to go into the early stages of a healthcare management career, and we have the perfect guest for that. Uh, Natalie Bulger is joining us. Natalie, thank you so much for being here. Before I read your intro, we appreciate you coming on.
0: Thank you excited to be here.
1: You got it. You got it. Okay, so Natalie's done so much in her career uh, it, under the the topic she's perfect like I said for this topic. So let me just if you'll indulge me folks, I'm going to I'm going to read off uh, some of uh, Natalie's accomplishments and what she is uh Uh, involved in, and then we'll get into the interview itself. So uh, Natalie Bolger is the Compliance and Business Integrity Officer, um, Integrated Ethics Point of Contract, and uh, FOIA Officer for the VA Healthcare, VISN4, where she provides program oversight for the nine medical facilities in the service network. Now, prior to joining the VA, she was the Director of Compliance, Risk, and Regulatory for the Children's Institute of Pittsburgh acting as compliance and privacy officer, as well as risk manager. Natalie's been a member of the American College of Healthcare Executives since 2010, obtained her fellow credential back in 2017, and is uh, the current immediate past president of the Western Pennsylvania Chapter and is a founding member of the Western PA Healthcare Summit. She also chairs ACHE's National Early Careers Committee and is a past service award winner and a Regents Award winner for the Early Career Healthcare Executive. Now, Natalie has a bachelor's in social work and a master's in health administration, both from the University of Pittsburgh, where she currently serves as vice president of the Health Policy and Management Alumni Association and is a member of the MHA Board of Advisors at the Graduate School of Public Health. Now Natalie is certified in healthcare compliance and holds a green belt certification in Lean Six Sigma. Uh, very impressive. And today's discussion, like I said, will focus pretty much on her role as a leader and mentor for early careerists. So once again, Natalie, thank you so much. Did I did I leave anything out?
0: Uh, no, uh, it's, it's something to listen to all that kind of read back to you. Um, just one little housekeeping detail that I have to put out there as a federal employee, um, that the views that I'm expressing on the podcast today are my own and not necessarily the views of the veterans fair or the federal government. Uh, and I'm excited to talk to you about early careers development.
1: Okay, great, great. But before we do all that, you were also a couple of years ago, you, you were named to the Pittsburgh 40 under 40. What's that about?
0: I was. Um, It is a local award here in Pittsburgh that recognizes individuals under the age of 40 uh, who have really excelled in their career, have given back to the community, um, and given back to their area of expertise, whether it's volunteering, mentorship, um, anything along those lines. And I was pleasantly surprised to be selected. It's an incredible list of people um, that are in that group. Uh, for example, I was with someone that was building uh, pilotless planes. <laughs> so uh, to be with that uh, that cohort was incredible and a great honor.
1: Wow. Okay, great. So another podcast, we'll talk about pilotless planes. Okay. (laughs) I think a lot of people have questions. Okay. Let's start with this. Uh, Your day-to-day responsibilities, Natalie, how does the work you do in compliance kind of help shape and build uh, and maintain patient safety and 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 the quality of care?
0: yeah so compliance is often seen as a very administrative duty um, so how it ties into patient care and quality of care sometimes takes a little work to understand um, but you know listening just recently to the dr. Shabbat podcast where he was talking about a high reliability organization um, the VA is moving to a high reliability organization or an HRO and some of those principles include anticipating risk getting to root cause of issues and really you know of course the commitment to zero harm so while compliance sits on the administrative side of the house and we're a little behind the scenes, our involvement in risk identification and mitigation can really have an impact on the quality of care. Um, We often think about patient care really being that physical touch to the patient, but in reality, patient care starts the moment you decide you're going to come to that organization and you're going to register and you're going to get scheduled and you're going to have to determine what you're paying and just your overall satisfaction. So looking at that entire patient experience allows us to understand how one-step really impacts another and ultimately impacts that patient directly. You know, so um, you mentioned my Lean Six Sigma and um, I utilize Lean Methodology specifically as- specifically things like the five whys and understanding the deviation and identifying the waste um, to help us drill down to the elements that we really need to be focusing on. And um, compliance is so embedded in those discussions of integrated and enterprise risk, where we're looking at that organization as a whole, business and clinical side of the house, and understanding internal controls and where we can build them better. Um, That all kind of comes together. So we're we're another piece of the puzzle. Um, And leaving us out, I think, often can be a little damaging down the road. Because we're seen sometimes as Debbie Downers, (laughs) we come in and we say the regulation says you can't do that. Um, So bringing us in at the front end and really helping us to be a part of that build and a part of that project, I think is, is absolutely crucial and having a lean background if you're in compliance also is super beneficial from that end.
1: And obviously, you know you have to be so thorough like you you just laid it out from A to Z, once you mm-hmm. step someone steps into a hospital or a healthcare facility, right? Everything that goes right. on until they leave has to be in compliance, right? You have to you have to make sure things are are, 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 are on everybody's on the same page, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, let's talk about um, in go- goals. As a leader, mm-hmm. because that's what, you know, people listening to this, you know, you get to a certain point and, you know, we just, re- we read your resume and you it's so impressive and you've done so much, but c- can you kind of talk to the folks about, about continuous improvement goals? You know, you've made it to a certain spot, but how do you, how do you not kind of, kind of just stay at that level? How can you, you know, kind of increase and move, move ahead?
0: Yeah, and you know you have to have a thirst to learn, and you have to have an understanding of where—and I don't want to call them shortfalls—but where you have the ability to grow even more, and be aware of that. Um, so you know I go back even to when I was an undergrad, and I got a certification in public leadership. That that really kind of started this process where it was always, what do I need to learn more, and when will I feel good that I've learned enough to move forward with that? So whether that's the Green Belt and Lean Six Sigma, the certification in healthcare compliance, my fellow in ACG it's all this of how can I be the best leader I can be? And, be diverse in that. So not just in my field of compliance, but across the board so that it, you are respected and you are um, understood when you're talking to a different variation of people um, and not always just focusing on the technical aspects, because we can get really tied down in you know, what a law or a regulation says and how do we learn about that. But how do we talk about that when we need to go educate people? Um, how do we have really difficult conversations in the field that we're in? Um, so I think, you know, I've recently, I've really been focusing on soft skills, which are something that I think come a little easier to me, but yet continually need to be honed because you're always running into new types of people. Um, And the VA really offers some of those programs internally, but also externally. There are free things that you can take part in. Um, Mindfulness, which is a hot topic these days, is so crucial. When you're sitting in a meeting and things are just spinning out of control, how do you bring it all back to center? Because if you can't walk out of that meeting with some action, um, it's been a waste of everyone's time and it's not valuable. Um, So you really have to kind of have that full spectrum idea of the technical skills and the hard knowledge along with those soft negotiation skills. Um, So balancing out what you're focusing on each year, you know, hey, what am I going to spend more time reading? What am I going to look into? What is really pushing my button that I want to spend more investment of my energy
1: into? And I'm glad you brought that up because that, that leads us right into this because it's human nature, okay? We tend to gravitate towards things that we are good at. We want to do mm-hmm. the things we are good at, right? So what, what, mm-hmm. what is your advice for, you know, healthcare executives maybe early in their careers as, as you know, you speak to so many of those on, on finding, you know, things that are, are not a strength OK, so it's tougher to you know, take on and, and, and then create that to be a strength. And I, I'm, I'm sure you've done it in your career, you know, mm-hmm. something that you were maybe a, a weaker in and then you, you you worked at it. and Now it's a strength of yours. How do you how do you get that across?
0: So, you know, the best analogy I can give is, um, you know, if you have a surgeon coming in and you would never want them to say, I'm baking it till I make it right?
1: That's right. (laughs) That's
0: the worst thing that someone that needs a very talented skill set could say. And we're the same as leaders on an administrative side. We cannot fake it till we make it. We need to be honest that if we are feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do next. That's a sign that we need to spend a little more time and energy um, asking for help. And it is so hard to humble ourselves occasionally and go, I don't know how to do that. I don't know the next step. Um, But you're going to find very quickly that there's probably a trend in that. And you know. For me, it's the actual operational financial side. I am a big picture thinker. I am really great at going, wow, we could do all of this amazing stuff. And then someone goes, how are you going to pay for it? (laughs) And I'm like, isn't that what the CFOs for? <laughs> but in reality, we need to have that information so that we're not wasting our time on things that are not going to be feasible in the long run. So, um, you know, having an honest conversation with yourself and then having that conversation with peers, with mentors, with supervisors and saying, I could be a better asset to this organization if I had more knowledge in X, Y, or Z. Um, and I could do more and we could be more successful um, if I spent a little time focusing on this. And there's not going to be a bad supervisor that's going to tell you, no, um, no, stay in your corner. Just do what you know how to do. Um, You have to kind of, you have to be honest. You have to humble yourself. And then you have to come forward with a solution. The other worst thing you can do is come forward and say, I can't do it. I don't know what I'm doing. But if you come forward and you say, I don't understand this. However, there's a great webinar coming up (laughs) and it's, you know, at a discounted price. Do you mind if I sit in on it and I get some uh, experience or can I go shadow someone um, over in this program so I know about it more? before I make some decisions, that they're going to be more willing to listen and help you with that problem
1: solving. Yep. And then, you know, but it takes courage to do that, right? So I guess you just have to, Fantastic. and I'm so glad you're, you're bringing that up here in this podcast and the people listening are hearing that because they may be fearful of, of asking for that help. Um, mm-hmm. and thinking that, oh, it's going to show weakness if I don't know how to do this. But just like you laid it out, if you, okay, I don't know how, but here's the the, the mechanism I'm going to use. Do you mind if I do this to better myself? That's a great piece of advice. Yeah. It really is. Let's talk about ACHE and your membership mm-hmm. there. We talked about it since 2010, right?
0: Yes, I joined as a graduate student.
1: How, now t- tell me, tell me how you heard about it and, and why you wanted to uh, join so quickly.
0: Yeah, so we had um, a graduate of our program at the University of Pittsburgh who came and spoke to the orientation class and, you know, said, hey, this is its discounted rate when you're a student. This is all the stuff you get out of it. Um, there's really no reason not to join. So um, I'm always, what can I get for, you know, a discount? So I was there <laughs> in a heartbeat, <laughs> um, signed up and, you know, kind of got into it slowly as a grad student. Because you know your classes are conflicting, maybe you can't make all the events. Um, But I made sure to get to Congress. I found ways to save up. You know, if I didn't get the scholarship where you could come as a student, you know, and have your registration waived, a bunch of us shared a hotel room to split costs that way. Um, And once I got to Congress, I was bitten. (laughs) The bug was there. It was in me, and never really looked back. Uh, You know, a couple years later, I got asked to sit on a committee um, for the local chapter, and then before I knew it, I was on the board and in the leadership. And you know, it just it becomes something that you're just so proud of and you want it to succeed and you want to be a shining example of what that organization can do for you. Um, And I just you get what you put into it. You know, you have this opportunity as a student to join at a discounted rate. You get your first few years as a full member at a discounted rate. Um, You know, make the most of that. Get into the membership directory. Come out to Congress. Look people up. Ask them to get coffee. uh, You know, apply for tuition waivers to go to clusters and do all of those things. And I think that you know you really understand everything that it can give to you and what it can create down the road.
1: Have you ever, Natalie, thought about what if I never got in with Ache? What if I never, you know? How would my career be impacted if I never was a fellow? If I never was a chapter leader or sat on a in, in, in a committee? Has that ever dawned on you? I would imagine that you would, it would be a completely different path.
0: Oh, so my network would probably be about ten percent of what it is.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: um, I wouldn't have had some of the career opportunities that I've had. Um, so most of my supervisors, um, you know, when I was at the Children's Institute, were members of ACAG. We talked the same talk in that aspect, um, you know, you never know what, who's going to send you a job offering. Uh, it's probably someone that you met at an event who really liked what you said. Uh, and so even if it's a personal connection, you know, I've met people through ACHE that when times get rough, um, they call me or I call them. And that support system is so much broader when you get into ACHE because not only do you have that local chapter to pull from people that are physically there, you have the national group, you can join the national mentorship program. You can, you know, like I said, when you're out at Congress, you're meeting all of these different people, and that just broadens your perspective so much, and it keeps you from getting pigeonholed into maybe the one segment of your career that you've landed in, and feeling that that like that's all you're ever going to do. So, you know, I really credit my membership in ACG and how involved I got with it um, for where my career has taken me. Uh, You know, that I never would have thought this is where I'd be, especially you know under the age of 35. But yet here I am, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I've had. great people that came to me through um, ACHE, who I credit with getting me here.
1: Let's talk about Congress. Um, Mm -hmm. if you have some advice for someone listening that hasn't been or is planning to go to their first Congress. Uh, You know, we were there in Chicago back in March and there's so many things to learn from so many, um, so many meetings to go into so many uh, speakers to hear. What's your Mm -hmm. piece of advice to try to take advantage of everything in those four, four days or so?
0: Um, so first off go to absolutely everything that's free mm-hmm. uh, if you are you know limited on funding we know that early careerists um, may be not supported by their organization just yet um, with funding aspects um, so if there's some you know all the lunches that you can get to the hot topics you can get to the breakfast that you can get to shameless plug for the ecn breakfast here um, i'll be out of congress hopefully with that breakfast and the Hudgens award winner and you know we hope that some of the senior early careerists come out to sit at the table with the students with the entry-level folks and spend that hour giving their advice and hearing back, being a part of 360 mentorship. Um, Look up the, pull the app down onto your phone and look at the attendees. Find people at organizations that interest you or that are doing projects that you find fascinating um, that maybe you've read about before. Ask them to get coffee. They're going to say, yes, I did that my very first year and I'm still connected with one of the senior executives that was like, sure, meet me for 10 minutes at the Starbucks and we'll get something to drink and we'll chat about your career. Um, just, and you know, I, it's a great time, but if you go out at night with some folks still be fresh in the morning, <laughs> um, you, you want to be able to still, uh, be functional, have conversations and, and sit at tables where you don't know anyone. If you're going with a group of people from your organization or your school, when you go to those luncheons, break up, <laughs> don't sit with people that you're going to get to see when you go home the next week. Uh, you know, introduce yourself and don't be afraid that you're not cool enough or knowledgeable enough to talk with these people. It is so intimidating if you are a second-year grad student or you've been in the field for two years to sit down next to a CEO and they go, so what do you do? <laughs> Be honest, and then ask for their advice. And who knows, that may end up in a you know a residency offering, or you know down the road maybe a job offering. But that's how you have to start those conversations. And that's the priceless stuff. Um, so you know have confidence. Don't be cocky, but have confidence, um, and just take advantage of everything that they offer. Uh, you can't say that enough. Get the free headshot, <laughs> even from those little aspects. There's so much there, um, and it is a whirlwind set of you know four days if you stay for the whole thing. Five. If you're there for a boot camp, um, but it is worth every bit.
1: And and like you said, it, everything goes back to. And you you keep bringing this up. And so let's just hammer this home, because yes, mm-hmm. you're there to be uh, to, to to gain education, okay? But from like-minded people, and maybe you know people that you look up to. But it's it's the importance of building relationships. I mean, everything you've said today kind of, kind of drives to that point of building relationships, correct? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it does. And you know, and you may talk to someone at Congress and next year they're presenting on a topic that you have no interest in, but yet you should go to it (laughs) because you are never going to know what you're going to learn there. Um, Get out of your comfort zone. So not only in networking, but in that education aspect too. And that's what builds robust and diverse relationships for the rest of your career.
1: And that's for the healthcare leadership. That's what it's, that's what it's all based upon, right, expanding your network because you never know where your career is going to take you, right, or who you're going to be speaking with.
0: Well, and you never know what's going to happen in healthcare. (laughs) We are a dynamic organization, you know, field and 10 years from now, it's going to look different than where we're at today. So we have to be agile, we have to be flexible, and having those resources to call on and being a resource yourself, you know, never discount what you bring to the table, either.
1: Well, I think everybody listening, uh, and Natalie, just to, just to hearing your thoughts about how to navigate through the early stages of uh, of a career as, as an executive in healthcare, or really any position in, in healthcare. I know they gain so much from listening uh, here today. And again, once again, I know you're so busy, so I want to thank you so much for taking some time out to kind of educate folks here.
0: Yeah, no problem. And if anyone that's listening to this goes to Congress, look me up. I Like I said, I hope to be there. I'd love to meet some folks and, you know, continue this conversation.
1: Yep. And we'd, we'd love to, uh, you know, I've, I've met you here over the phone lines in a podcast, mm-hmm. but I'd love to. I think we're going to be out there again. So it'd be great to catch up.
0: Yeah, great. Meet you
1: In person. So, Natalie Bulger, thank you so much. Uh, I learned a lot and I hope our listeners did as well.
0: Thank you. It's been wonderful.
1: You got it. And folks, we will uh, catch you next time on the ACHE Healthcare Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Caraggio. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast, brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information,
0: find us online at ache.org.